for that faithful one oh what a savior what a blessed savior what a redeemer what a friend that walks beside us amen and we're looking forward to the service tonight and we're looking forward to his soon coming amen we're really looking forward to that Lord Jesus to that meeting in the air that's why we gather just to draw closer to him to learn from him to hear from him 
to be more like him. Amen. Maybe we can sing that. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. I believe it's key of C. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. With joy, we welcome His return. It may be more, it may be night or noon. We know He's coming Oh, we 
Amen. Oh my, what a day. What a day that will be. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Gil, I'm going to ask you to come and bring us to the Lord in prayer tonight. We have one prayer request um, from Sister Eleanor. I'm just going to read it here. <coughs> Excuse me. Sister Eleanor Drake is requesting prayer for her brother Bob. He's been battling cancer. But they have had to stop chemo due to issues with his heart. He will be going under he will be undergoing some procedures on his heart next week, but his greatest need is the salvation of his soul. And we believe with our sister Eleanor that God will bring him to his ought to be condition. Amen. We just want to remember our brothers and sisters here and around the world that are sick Lord, uh, with uh, all kinds of sicknesses, but just want to remember those that are in need, especially with COVID at this time. We believe that our God is a healer of all of our diseases. Amen. There's nothing too big, nothing too small that God doesn't see, nothing too big that he can't handle. Amen. We might not have antibodies to fight this new virus, but God can put antibodies in our immune system to fight this new virus. Amen. We believe that because our God is a creator. Amen. Come on, Brother Gil. Take us to the throne of grace. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We can all bow our hearts and our heads. Lord Jesus, Father, we're so thankful that we can come together as a body of believers. Lord, we've words fail us, Lord, at times like this. And so grateful, Lord, that we can serve a God, Father, that can answer prayers. Our sister, Father Eleanor, her, I believe it's her brother, Father, with this condition. Lord, not only physically, but Father, spiritually. May you move on the scene, Father. Change things around, Lord. Move things around in his life and in his mind, Father, and in his heart. Draw him into your kingdom, Father, we pray. We hold him up before you. We pray that you would meet this need, spiritually and physically, Father. We claim it for him in Jesus' name. And Father, and what's been mentioned, Lord, with the, the different illnesses, illnesses, Father, and sicknesses, Lord, that we do have the power from you, Father, and we can claim those promises, Lord, according to your word, according to your promise, Father. We thank you, Lord. And Father, tonight, 
Just pray for the ministry, Father, the brother to be coming, Lord. Be with him. Strengthen him, Lord. Take control of his mind and of his heart, Father. And Lord Jesus, may you keep us alert and awake, Father, and help us to receive what you have for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Gill, you can have your seats tonight. Amen. We're going to invite our brother Tim to come out in just a moment. Um, we just want to welcome all of you this evening, especially those that have connected with us online, our American brothers and sisters just across the line in Washington, and not only there, but uh, around the world. We have brothers and sisters that join with us and feed on the word with us and we just want to say God bless you richly we appreciate each and every one of you can we sing that song I'm so glad Jesus set me free <clears throat> well I'm so glad set me free
Amen, amen. Well, hallelujah, we got the joy of the Lord in our hearts, amen. Because our God is an awesome God. Amen. Hallelujah. My God is awesome. He can move a mountain. Amen. We're going to invite our brother Tim tonight. Just getting ready to hear the word. Amen. My God is awesome. again my god is awesome savior of the whole world giver of salvation that's my god by his stripes i am healed if you have something you're battling tonight you need to just confess that by his stripes i am healed because my god is awesome today i am forgiven his grace is why i'm living amen let's sing this together
almighty God revealing himself in the last days as never before. What an hour to live in. Let's take our Bibles and turn together. Thank you, musicians. I think we'll jump right into the word tonight. I want to greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So glad that each and every one of you could make it this evening that could be here, here in the sanctuary. And uh, if there's any in the fellowship hall, God bless you. And uh, I also want to greet those that are online. God bless you. And glad you're with us. If you're not in the lower mainland, we have come into monsoon season here. And uh, it's a miserable Wednesday night. Uh, we, we, we're very reluctant to call it winter because we don't suffer like the rest of Canada does with a much sub-zero temperature, but it's more like monsoons. And so we'll make it by God's grace. Uh, we are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. We have nothing to complain about. And uh, we're not complaining. We're very thankful for everything that the Lord has done for us. So let's turn to the book of John this evening. John chapter 1 is where we'll be reading. I've titled it tonight, The Earthen Vessel. But I, I really want to take the theme of Beholding the Lamb. Beholding the Lamb. John chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we are gathered together this Wednesday night, the middle of a week, but Lord, we know that with you, there is no week, there is no days, there's no nights. It's just all one eternal day with you, O God. As the scripture says, Father, there's no shadow of turning with you. Lord, we have come this evening because we are very sensitized in these last days to the Holy Spirit. We have been moved by your Spirit, Lord. We have, we have been quickened by your word. Lord, we have been changed in our nature. There is something that has taken place in our lives that we could even say as believers, it's hard to explain. But we know that we're not what we used to be. Even though, Lord, we look forward and, and maybe even say we lay aside the things that are in the past. We look and press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, which draws ever closer. As Brother Nathan said, Lord, we're looking to the rapture. 
We're looking to be caught out of here. We're looking to be gathered on the other side. We don't have our eyes on earthly things. We don't have our eyes on earthly kingdoms. We don't have our eyes on earthly possessions. We don't have our eyes on earthly tribulations. They are but mere tools in the hands of God to mold our character. Lord, we're here tonight. We want you to draw us nearer to that heavenly destination tonight. We want, Lord, that you'd open our eyes to look beyond the veil as it was, Lord, and to see the way we ought to see. See you the way we ought to see you. See ourselves the way we ought to see ourselves. And see one another the way we ought to see one another, Lord. We commit ourselves to you now. Take this word. We've read it as a beginning point. But I ask, Father, that you'll just direct us now in the opening of your word. Oh, Lord, how thankful we are for the opening of your word. Direct us in it, Lord, for your glory tonight. We welcome you and we invite you, Lord. May every spirit in this place be under your control. May your majesty even come to those that are streaming and watching over an electronic device. May they know as they are watching now that this is not a recording. This is not history. This is the Jesus Christ that is the same yesterday, today, and forever moving through the midst of His people. Lord, we welcome You to have the preeminence and we give ourselves to You for that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. Are you ready for the word tonight? Amen. Amen. Glad to hear that. I was, I was pondering this as I, uh, you know, was just kind of locked into it all day today and, and thinking about these things and trying to, uh, catch, you know, what God was doing there as it relates to what God is doing today. Because God is not a God of yesterday. Neither is He a God of tomorrow, but He's a God of right now. As He said to Moses, you tell them, I'm the I Am. The I Am has sent you, not the I was or the I will be. This promise that I gave Abraham is not off in the future, it's right now. The I Am is present to bring it to pass. Every promise in His Word was paid for at Calvary, but it didn't end at Calvary. It didn't end with the apostles. It didn't end in the book of Acts. Amen. It didn't end there. It's still alive today. And I'll say it's more alive today than in any age. We're not interested in, in uh, a message of theology. We're not interested in a message of, of teaching per se, as, as we realize there's teaching in the Word of God, but we're not interested in teaching for the sake of teaching. We're interested in the supernatural that God moves in the midst of His people. We serve a supernatural God. We are a supernatural people. Let me say that again. We are a supernatural people. And so as I was thinking about what John, what a revelation here that John had. As he says, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. What a statement that must have been and a shock to Israel. You know, we, to us it's simple. To us we know Jesus was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. It's revealed to us. But here's a man standing in that day making a statement they had never heard before. This is the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. 
They, it, it, it was revolutionary, you could say, at that time. How can a man take away the sins of the world? Even though Isaiah had spoke of them, they were not expecting that. As Isaiah said, you know, he was wounded for our transgressions. That great scripture. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. These are the realities that John saw in Jesus Christ. He was the Lamb of God. Israel was married to the type. They couldn't see that what they had come through as a nation was only a type of the real. They thought it was the real. They thought a lamb, a temple, a sacrifice, a, a, a mercy seat behind the veil. They thought that was real. But the real mercy seat was standing in front of them. The real lamb of God was standing in front of them. We could say the, the real throne of God was standing in front of them. As God said, you know, what house will you build me? Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, but what throne will you build me? This was the dwelling place that God would build himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. For God himself to dwell in. And now the mighty God was standing there before them. And I want to say this now, the, the forgiveness of sins was a mystery to them. It's not a mystery to us, but it was a mystery to them. But here John was announcing now, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, if you would. We'll turn to a few scriptures tonight. Just try and take our time. Matthew chapter 9. And verse 2. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Is that what they said? He said, your sins be forgiven. John said, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, God, Emmanuel, God in flesh, God with us, God amongst us, said, now your sins are forgiven. And their immediate reaction was, that just doesn't fit the scripture the way we see it. And that's blasphemy for him to even make that statement. And Jesus, knowing their hearts, their thoughts, verse 4, said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then he saith to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. They marveled and glorified God. But they didn't say, behold the Lamb of God. They marveled. It was still a mystery. But they didn't see what John saw. 
They, they, they saw an amazing display of the supernatural power of God, who even as Nicodemus in John chapter 3 said, we know you're a teacher sent from God because nobody could do these works that you're doing unless God was with him. And so they were identifying this man was of God, but it was a mysterious visitation to them. We are, we are of the, uh, of the blessed part of the, I, you could say the timeline of history or the work of redemption. We're in the blessed part where we can look back and see all of God identified. You know, we could, we can see it in Abraham. We can see it in Enoch. We could see it in Noah. We could see it in Moses. We could see it in Israel coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. We could see it identified down through the ages. We could see it in Isaiah. We could see it in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can see it in Paul. We could see it in Irenaeus and Martin and Columba and Luther and Wesley and all of these things. Here we stand at the end of the ages. What a time to live. Are you with me tonight? What an honor to live in this hour. I'm glad I wasn't living there as a Jew going, what is he talking about? I'm glad I didn't live in Paul's day trying to figure out, as Peter said, Paul says some things that are hard to understand. I'm glad I wasn't living in the dark ages where it was just a simple gospel and give your life and and sacrifice yourself under a sacrificial anointing. Those are all our brothers and sisters. But in the midst of all of it, this is the most glorious age to live. And the reason it's the most glorious age to live is because this is the most glorious message that has been anointed to any age at any time. And we are recipients of it. Hallelujah. We are recipients of it. We, we, we hold in our hands such a mystery revealed. Not a mystery, but a revelation in this hour to be able to behold the Lamb of God in the trueness of who He is. What kind of a prophet was John? Jesus, if you have your Bibles open, I'll read from Matthew 11 and verse 7. It says, and as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go into the wilderness to see? He said to the multitudes concerning John. He preached a sermon on John. He preached a sermon on the forerunner. I hope it would be okay to preach a sermon on the forerunner. Jesus did. Jesus preached a sermon on the forerunner. He says, what did you go into the wilderness to see? Oh, we could spend some time on that. What came out of Kentucky? What did you see? What did they go to Houston, Texas to see? Was it a man or was it a pillar of fire over a man? You know, what did they go to Tucson to see? What did they go to these different meetings to see? What did they go to Dawson Creek to see? What did they go to Grand Prairie to see? Why, why were people drawn to these meetings? Why did tens of thousands of people come together? Why was there an attraction? I'll come to that in just a moment here. But got to ask the question now. Why was there an attraction to such a ministry that was so humble? And people say, you know, it, it, it really wasn't nothing. I, that just boggles my mind. Is that here are all these brainiacs in our day saying, you know, William Branham wasn't nothing and it didn't mean anything. Well, you go and attract a crowd like that then. Let's see you do it. Let's see how successful you're going to be. You know so much. Let's see you do something for God. My, I could really just 
We could really just get on that track, couldn't we? But here, here Jesus is preaching about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. In other words, if you went to see an eloquent man so nicely dressed, you would be disappointed. Because that's not who you saw. He says, but what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. You know, that's the very words that God said to William Branham. I called you for more than that. Brother Branham said, you called me to be a prophet. But you're more more gifted than that, God said. More than a prophet, describing the first forerunner. He says, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. But Jesus saying now, you want to know who John is? I'll tell you who John is. He's a greater than Solomon. He's greater than Moses. My. Greater than Isaiah. Greater than Jeremiah. Greater than Samuel. What did you go to see? I'll tell you. And, and the people might have wondered, are we talking about the same guy? Who is this guy? He, he, he has, he has no church. He's, in, he's a wilderness dweller. He doesn't really have, have much in eloquence or anything like that. And my, they maybe just scratched their heads and wondered about what it was that the, he was saying about John. There's no book of John the Baptist. There's a book of Isaiah. There's five books of Moses. You know, Samuel, first and second Samuel and, and, and Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel and Daniel and all these great prophets. But there's no book written. From John the Baptist. There's no record of his life and prophecies. There's a small record right here in the New Testament. But Jesus says. There's never been a greater man born of a woman. But what did John the Baptist had? He had one job. He had one revelation. Behold the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. He had one thing that he could not deviate from. His ministry was to introduce the Lamb of God. It was to identify and unveil to the world the one sacrifice that would take away all sin. One sacrifice for all sin. Past, present, and future. And his ministry was to identify it, but not just to identify it, but to announce it to the world. And that's the reason John didn't just stay in the wilderness. Because if John would have had his own way, he'd have stayed in the wilderness. He'd have just done what he loved to do, which is to be a wilderness man. But his, his job was not just to identify the lamb, but his job was to introduce the lamb. Therefore, he had to draw a crowd. There had to be a crowd. Because John's job was to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and now I realize we're starting out very elementary here. But I, I, I'm trying to uh, just lay this foundation maybe for some that might not understand it in the way they ought to understand it. Because John could not stay where he wanted to stay. He had to have a ministry that attracted attention. Amen. 
That's why when the angel of the Lord said to Brother Branham over the Ohio River, as John the Baptist foran the first coming of Christ, so shall your ministry forerun the second coming of Christ. That was before the angel met him in the cave. That told him that you've been given a gift to, to heal the sick and you'll go before kings and potentates. In other words, your ministry will draw a lot of attention. But that's what the angel told him in the cave. But back on the river in 1933, the voice told him, he says, As John forerun Christ, the first forerunner, so shall your ministry forerun the second coming of Christ. In other words, your ministry will garner a lot of attention, but it's not to bring attention to you. It's to introduce the Lamb of God to the world. Hallelujah. Now the disciples understood that there was to be a Lamb of God. Brother Branham describes it in his own ministry about this prophecy. And I'll say it, and I want to identify it this way. As Brother Branham said now, he says, he describes what happened in 1933 as he was baptizing in the Ohio River. All right? And you can read the account in the message. You can read it for yourself. The point is not to read it. But he makes a statement here that I'm going to come to. And I want you to catch this now. This was not in a service subject to man. That is to say, it wasn't somebody speaking in tongues and interpreting. Okay, that happened in his ministry also. No, this was down on a river. This was a proclamation that came as the pillar of fire appeared over the Ohio River. I realize that that there are people in this age that are carnally minded that can't believe that such a thing would happen. I happen to believe it. I happen to believe that it's true because I see every sign that it did happen. And so as as that began to uh, take place, it was not something that William Branham was expecting. It was not something that that even the people were prepared for. It's probably, though we don't have recordings of his preaching back in those days, but it probably wasn't even something he was preaching about the second coming of Christ and and those kind of things that, that there needs to be a forerunner and whatever more. We don't even know what he was preaching back then. But something took place that God said, now this is the moment. I want you to know that your ministry will forerun my second coming. You're sent into this world for a purpose. Now, from 1933 to 1948, that's 15 years. That's a long time to go through a lot of work and a lot of labor and a lot of effort wondering exactly what God's going to do with that. Amen? But it was an announcement there. And 15 years later, in the midst of a a great, uh, uh, what can I say, angst in his life, as he's trying very much within himself to understand his own self. He, he's saved. Praise the Lord. He believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been born again. He's serving God. He's preaching the gospel. But yet he's trying to understand, what are these things that happened to me? I don't understand what my life is about. And there he meets the angel in the cave. Now, I come to this thought from present stage of my ministry in 1962. 
Are you still with me? He says, well, all men has forsaken me. But there's one thing. He stood by me. I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision that's happened down there on the river. I've stayed true to it. He's been true to me. I'm trusting in him. All right. Now, this is 1962. I just have to give you a little bit of of a picture here to help you to to be where I am in my thinking. From 1948 to 1962, from 1948, launches a ministry that garners the attention of the world. We're not talking a ministry that, that is just, you know, has a nice building and, and has a, a nice crowd. We're not, there's no internet. Alright? There's no social media. Praise God, must have been good days to live in. There's, there's, there's no great, uh, uh, communication in those days, even 1948. I, I can't even remember. Brother Ed told me about the first television that arrived in Dawson Creek when he was up there and, and the people s- sat there and stared at a screen that all they saw was that snow on the screen. That's, that's all there was. And, and, and that was just the beginnings of television communication. All right. And, and, and so now, from their launches of ministry 1948 that garners the attention of the world. What's happening? That's drawing attention to a ministry, but not for the purpose that that ministry would be exalted, but that ministry had an objective. That there would come a time that he would declare, behold the Lamb of God. Alright? So now in 1962, this is what he's talking about. He says, I wasn't, all men have forsaken me. I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. I've stayed true to it. He stayed true to me. I'm trusting in him. Someday, I don't know when, for the crowning, for a crowning rather of my ministry. I'll stay just as true as I could be. There's a key. Oh, you can stop here now and just, just say something simply. God might speak something to you, be it ever so small, be it whatever it is. If it's God, you don't have to worry about it. You just stay true and you just stay with God. And God will stay with you. This is from 1948 now to, or I'll go all the way back, from 1933 now to 1962. We're talking almost 30 years. And now here he's standing, he says, I stayed true to that heavenly vision. And he has stayed true to me. And I'm trusting him now for a crowning of my ministry. I'll stay just as true as I could be. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know when it'll be. But when he's ready, I am. Now look here, I hope he'll crown my ministry with this. Of letting me take the clothes of the word and dress his bride in the clothes of the word and for his righteousness. And then he says, I hope he'll crown me and let me stand there on that day. So that what day? The day when the bride is clothed with the word. He says, I hope he'll let me stand there on that day and say, behold the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. So we see an unfolding of a ministry.
as I was beginning to say, the disciples came down from Mount Transfiguration, seeing Jesus transfigured before them. A voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Hear ye him. And they come down and, and they, their minds are, are turned to the thought of Elijah. Why? Why is their minds turned to that? We might think, oh, they just happen to think about it. No, you don't happen to think about things. Something gets put into your mind. Stirs up something. Whether it's God bringing something to your remembrance or whether it's the devil trying to tempt you. But here God is anointing their thoughts and they're thinking about Elijah. And so they say to Jesus, why did the scribes say that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is already come, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. These are familiar scriptures to us, I know. So they understood now. They see Jesus. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Now they're coming down from the mountain. They understood there is to come a time of restoration. Now what that restoration meant to them and what it was in reality is probably two different things. Because they kept asking, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That was their thoughts, their questions in several places in the scripture. Right up to even the first chapter of the book of Acts. And so uh, they have this in their mind. But, but Jesus says he will come. There will come a time of restoration. But I say unto you, Elijah has already come. And then they understood what John the Baptist about was about. Now I, I talked to a, a Pentecostal minister one time about this very scripture. And and he said to me, well, that was John the Baptist, the one that was to restore. I said, no, the restoration ministry is the last days. He said, no, no, that was John the Baptist. That was, that was definitely, Jesus said it was John the Baptist. I said, okay, I'll go with you on that. If that was John the Baptist, I says, then I want you to tell me one thing John restored. Just one. He said, well, he, he was a good minister. <laughs> that was the best he could come up with. Because John didn't restore anything. That wasn't his ministry. But now the disciples said, okay, John was in the spirit of Elijah, and there's coming another ministry. And it'll be in the spirit of Elijah, and it'll be in a time of restoration. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. This is all referring now, as we go into this, of the Lamb. All right. In Acts chapter 3... And verse 18. Now here's Peter uh, declaring to them as they were marveled at the, at the miracle of the man that was lame, that was healed. And Peter saw that they, their attention was drawn, so he began to preach to them. And he lays it out, and we'll jump in at verse 18. Uh, start, start at 17. But now, and now, brethren, I what that through ignorance you did it and did also your rulers. But these things which God before had showed 
by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Alright? That restitution is the same word as restoration. Or to restore. It's the same root. And so until the times of restitution of all things. Jesus had to be received into heaven. Until the time of restoration. Which God has spoken by. Which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets. Since the world began. There would be a time of restoration of all things. What kind of a restoration. Not just a restoration of the children's hearts. To the hearts of the fathers. A greater restoration than that, that would take the sons of God all the way back to what Adam lost. The restoration of all things. A bringing back to originally what God had in his mind. Because the object now that John, that John declared in his day, John the Baptist, and that Brother Branham declared in this day as one object is to get us to see truly who is the Lamb of God. Not who it is, but who he is in his attributes. To recognize his nature and his character. To recognize what has taken place. To be able to see him. To be able to see him on the good days. And to be able to see him on the bad days. To be able to recognize the Lamb of God in every situation of your life. That no matter how you find yourself in. John, as he was preaching there down at the river, I'm sure that there were people in the congregation. Some of them probably had needs financially. Some of them probably had needs physically. Some of them probably were sinners or backsliders. Some of them were probably at different stages of their life. Maybe there was young people wondering about their future. Maybe there was young couples wondering about being married. Maybe there was different ones at different stages. But John's message was, Behold the Lamb of God. If you can see the Lamb of God, that is the most important thing of your life. Like Brother John Andy's preached on Sunday night, Jesus is the most important thing. Amen. Who was that Lamb of God? He wasn't just the one that died at Calvary. He was the same one that John in the book of Revelation chapter 5. As he saw or heard the pronouncement. Who is worthy to open the book. And to loose the seals thereof. And John wept because no man in heaven and earth or under the earth was found worthy. There was something about his. Uh, something about this. This book that had to be redeemed. His name was written there. Indeed the whole plan of redemption was tied to that book. And that book had to be opened. The book did not just have to exist. The book had to be opened. And so John was weeping there in the book of Revelation. And, the, and the, one of the elders cried out and said, John, don't weep. For the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And John turned to see the lion. And behold the lamb. Behold the lamb of God. Which took away the sin of the world. As John turned to see the one that had prevailed, it was a lamb. 
a bleeding lamb as it had been slain. Who is stepping forth from the eternities to claim the book. Now listen. The one who died on Calvary. The lamb. The one who takes the book in Revelation 5. The lamb. It's all for a purpose. To restore all things. To bring us back to our inheritance. To show us really who we are. It's because of who we are that we have an inheritance. You understand? And so it's a revelation of who you are in God's thoughts. It's a revealing of the thoughts of God which are eternal. I'm just laying all these things in here. So that we can catch this. It's all intertwined when you see the Lamb of God. The purpose of the Lamb of God is so that you can be able to see that you're not just a mortal creature. Oh, Brother Murphy said some wonderful, wonderful things on Sunday. If you haven't heard Brother Murphy's message on Sunday morning, you need to hear it. If you didn't catch it, you need to hear it again. You know, it's just tremendous the way he brought out the veil and and, and all of that. It was just, I, I just really fed on that. But but the Lamb is declaring to us, listen. And I know you're listening closely. And sometimes I wonder if I catch it the way I ought to catch it. Is that what he's, what he's doing in this, in this redemptive work, is revealing an inheritance. Now, I will just say this way. It's not just to say, I'm the son of God. I'm a son of God. I've always was a son of God. I always was in his mind. Those things are true. But it's to take my thoughts back to the way a son of God thinks. And To say that everything that I look at in the world, I look at through the eyes of a son of God. Every trial that I go through, I see it through the eyes of a son of God. Every situation I find myself in, every need that I have. Hallelujah. Uh, let's, Let's talk about the one in whom was the mystery. Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. The firstborn among many brethren. As he began to walk in his earthly ministry, he goes to a wedding feast. He doesn't see it like everybody else. You know, they're all, you know, complaining, you know, we're out of wine, everything else. And, and Mary says to the, the master of ceremonies, well, you know, if you're out of wine, just ask Jesus. And whatever he says do, you do exactly what he says. Because Jesus was walking by perfect faith in what the word said he was. Which happens to be rapturing condition. If you read the message perfect faith, Brother Bram says that's what is rapturing condition. When you walk by perfect faith in what the word says you are. Not that you don't make mistakes, as Brother Murphy says. Not that that sometimes the veil doesn't come very clearly on display and hide the guard part that's behind you. That makes and trips us up, all of us. But in the midst of it all, there's an attribute of God that's trying to wipe away all the spiritual amnesia. So there was Jesus at the wedding feast. Not like you or I at the wedding feast. 
You or I at a wedding feast might say, you know, I don't think that we ought to even be drinking. But Jesus turned the water into wine. This was the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Is that right? My, then when he goes to a funeral, he didn't look at a funeral the way you and I looked at a funeral. When he come back to Lazarus' place where Lazarus had, quote, died. Jesus said he was sleeping. But when Lazarus died, he didn't look at it like Mary and Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and, and though he were dead, yet shall he live. And, and, and Lazarus rose from the dead. The widow of Nain had her son raised from the dead. The man that was in palsy had his sins forgiven or had his sickness healed, whichever way you want to call it. He was looking at sin. He was looking at sickness. He was looking at the reality of it, not as a... If I could say it this way, not as a Pharisee. I like to use the word Puritan. They're kind of the Pharisees of a previous age. Not as a Puritan, if you understand history, what a Puritan is. They were, they were so almost hermit-like in their beliefs, in, in, in refraining from anything that was worldly. Jesus sat at, at the supper of, oh my, at the feast of, of Simon the Pharisee as the woman washed his feet. We've had that preached on lately. And I thought to myself, I'm just letting the Lord have his way tonight. I let the notes be the notes. But you know, there was, a, there was this feast that Jesus was at. And I thought about the circumstances. As I think Brother uh, Michael preached on it. And Brother Murphy touched on it. Brother Ed mentioned it. And I was thinking about the circumstances. The, thir- the circumstances that she went through. Listen to me now. That she went through in life. To get her to Jesus' feet versus the circumstances that Simon the Pharisee enjoyed in life to put on the feast, which one would you rather be? I'm not just talking about the washing of his feet now. I'm talking about the circumstances that put her there. In humility. Sometimes religiously, I, uh, I might as well say it, sometimes we just get a little too legalistic. Sometimes we just get thinking we're so holy. We are not holy. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. As Brother Radham talked about when Peter said the holy mountain, it wasn't the mountain that was holy. It was the holy God that was on the mountain. Amen. And it's not me that's holy or you that's holy. It's the holy God that's upon our life. And if the Holy God leaves our life, we'll be just as filthy and worldly as the next person. Oh, I'm so glad for the grace of God. I'm so glad for the love of God. I recognize where I came from. I recognize what I used to be. I recognize what this veil is capable of without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I've been redeemed by the Lamb of God. I met the Lamb one day. And it changed me. And you might have had to go through. And there might be somebody here that or that listens to this that says, you know, I feel like I'm in the circumstances that that woman went through that washed Jesus' feet. I'll tell you something right now. You need to find yourself at Jesus' feet. Where Jesus says, and her sins, which were many, are forgiven her. Hallelujah. I don't know how many my sins were. I never counted them up, but I'm sure they were many. And I'm so glad he forgave me. He forgave me. He forgave you. If you don't have a revelation of that, you're still a sinner. 
Praise be to God. I knew it was going to end up like this tonight. I always get that way, you know. I get to study and I feel like I have too much. By the time I'm done studying, I don't feel like I have enough. And I come to church and I think it's going to be a short service. And I get to preaching and it just keeps going. Paradox. Turn with me to Jeremiah 32. We'll start go here and then we'll see where we end up. Jeremiah 32, the earthen vessel. Now, Jeremiah is told here, maybe I can pick it up, verse 6. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thy uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anatoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Now, I'm not going to go reading all the scriptures here, but we'll jump down to verse 13. And I charged Baruch... Uh, Sorry, we'll start at 12. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of, however you say that, Messiah, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, This evidence of the purchase, both that which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. All right. So now, for those of you that are not familiar with this scripture, what takes place is God tells Jeremiah says, your uncle's going to come and offer you a piece of land. You need to buy it. And you need to, uh, according to the custom, when you buy this land, there is, there is a title deed drawn up. And, and you take that title deed and you fill it out and you seal it up. And, and, but there is also a copy of the title deed that is unsealed. Okay? So there's a part that's unsealed. There's a part that's sealed. Now, the part that's sealed has to match the part that's unsealed. Because the, if there ever is a question as to the legitimacy of the unsealed part, it's the sealed part that proves the unsealed part. Alright, so, so I won't go into all the details of that, but other than to say, uh, what's taking place here now is that Jeremiah doesn't realize it, but his life now is begin, God is beginning to use him to display something to the church that will happen throughout the church ages and that there will be now a a fulfillment of this in the bride of Jesus Christ so that the 70 years that Israel and it has to be 70 years that Israel goes into captivity and then there comes a time of restoration has to be seven 70 years representing the seven church ages so now now Brother Branham picks up on this in in a couple of places and I'll read first out of Revelation chapter 5 and I I realize I just skimmed through that for you, so forgive me for that, but I hope you caught it. 
He says, through prophecy, he knew through the revelation of God that they was going to be away from that country for 70 years. You remember him prophesying that. He'd be 70 years, there'd be, they'd be in captivity. So he wanted to be sure that this seal, that his inheritance would be kept. He inherited his cousin's inheritance. So he had it all wrote up legally. And what he did, and what did he do with it so it wouldn't rot or rust? He put it in an earthly vessel. And put it away so it wouldn't rot or rust. Them Until them 70 years was expired. He says, do you see what God did? He never revealed it to the high and prudent so that they could fuss about it for all this time. He put it in an earthly vessel. He created himself his own son, Christ Jesus. All right. So the mystery of the inheritance was put into an earthly vessel in Jeremiah's day. But it was representing that the mystery of the inheritance of sonship, our inheritance, was hidden in Jesus Christ for seven church ages. There's a part of it that's open, that an evidence that is open and seen. The church has had the Bible, but it's the it's not a Bible in letter form. It, it is a living word that has lived through seven church ages. It's Revelation chapter 1, it's Jesus Christ in the midst of the candlesticks. The mystery that's been in the church, but not revealed. So it's kept in an earthly vessel until... He says, and in the last day now, he's opening the seals. This is 1961. And showing it to his church, kept in an earthly vessel so it wouldn't rot or rust. So now before the opening of the seals, Brother Branham could see it would be the opening of the seals that would bring this mystery to fulfillment. Now follow me just a little bit. So we realize that now this 70 years had to come. And I'll say seven church ages. By faith in the word, the church has believed that there is an inheritance. The church has believed the promises are true. They haven't necessarily understood it, but they have believed it. And the same as Israel, they were in another land. But while they were in another land, there was a title deed that contained the rights of inheritance to this portion that Jeremiah had had purchased. So it was hidden, and I'll just say, it was the portion, it was the portion that was not hidden that spoke of the part that was hidden. Or the portion that was unsealed that spoke of the part that was sealed. All right? So I want you to catch that now. Those two are intricately connected. But it's also the sealed part that proves the authenticity of the unsealed part. All right? So the sealed part, you might say, well, as long as we got the unsealed part, what do we need the sealed part for? As long as we have the Bible... Why do we need the message? Because the Bible speaks of the message. But it's the message that proves the authenticity of the Bible. You see, it's not archaeology that proves the authenticity of the Bible. It's not unbroken succession of popes that proves the authenticity of the Bible. 
It's not denominational ideas or theological concepts that proves the authenticity of the Bible. But if there ever was a doubt or a dispute on a piece of property, they went to the sealed part. They broke open the seal to identify that which was open was true. And so is it in these last days. Let me read it to you out of the breach message. Brother Brown says, now this is in the middle or at the beginning of the opening of the seals. He says, now these messages are all kept up until this earthly vessel until the time of God's appointed time at the last messenger on the earth that all these people have jugged at and said, I know it's there. I believe it's there. And they fought at it they and brought it forth and produced the things by faith. They believed it. But now it's going to be brought to us in revelations and from the hand of God by vindication. Hallelujah. He says, God said so. He promised it. Amen. So what I'm trying to get you to see, and I guess I'm just trying to teach you this tonight, but I want God to quicken it to your heart and that you understand how, how God has operated His Word. The Word has carried through through seven church ages. The word that was written in the beginning has carried through and we have the Bible and all of those things. But now when the seals are open under a vindicated ministry, under God supernaturally, time after time, vindicating his prophet and showing himself alive amongst us, that revelation that comes in the opening of the seals only proves that this was true all along. It reveals the hidden mystery of it. It declares the details of it. It shows how to put it together. Because you can't know how to put the Bible together until God shows it to you. Hallelujah. All right. So when that which was in the earthen vessel becomes unsealed... Then the mystery of inheritance becomes made known. That which was in the church through seven church ages, when it becomes unsealed, this message unseals it. The opening of the word unseals it. Unseals what, Brother Tim? Unseals the mystery that was hidden in Jesus Christ, who was the word made flesh in that day. As the Word was made flesh in that day, now the Word can be made flesh and is being made flesh in this day by the bride of Jesus Christ. What am I trying to get you to see? I'm trying to get you to see it's laying right there. And there, now, when I speak of inheritance, I want to say this in such a way, very carefully. It's about sonship. It's about eternal things. It's about a rapture. Yes, the message is about a rapture. But the inheritance as was described to Israel, the reason Jeremiah came into possession of it was because it was his family inheritance. The inheritance is tied to family. Jehovah's family. And we are a part of Jehovah's family. 
And everything that is true in that inheritance is made known when the inheritance is revealed. I'll just say it this way. I don't know how others look at it. But to me, it's all about sonship in every aspect of life. It's about a son of God expressed as a husband to my wife. It's about that. Now people might say, well, I I don't know that the message is about marriages. I think it's all about marriages. I, I, I believe the message is about me as a son of God as a father. Now, I don't, I don't want to take, uh, the world's idea of fatherhood. I don't want to take the culture's idea of fatherhood. I don't want my parents' idea of fatherhood. I hope that's okay. Even if my parents were believers in the message. And they say, this is the way we've always done it. I've traveled a little bit around the world. I've seen a few places. And too many times I hear the thought, this is the way we do it here. It doesn't matter how you do it there. What matters it's what is what has been brought from the earthen vessel. You know, Brother Branham said Jesus has a, had a right to be a husband, to take a wife. He had a right to have children. He forgo that, he forwent that in order to redeem us. He sanctified himself for our sakes. He went beyond what was required. If, if we could say of natural requirement. Jesus had a right. See, sometimes even in life's questions... There's too much because we're living in the age of people's rights. And I'm I'm treading a line here. And probably, probably Brother Tom sees that. But we, we can tread a line as a minister and say, you know, sometimes we can say we have a right to do this or that. And you might be able to argue legally that there is a right to do this or that. But what is pleasing to the Father? That's the real question that we have to ask ourselves. Is not to go through life saying, well, is this legal or is, is this a sin or is that a sin or, or should I be allowed to do this or should I be allowed to do that? No, don't ask yourself those kind of questions. But rather look to the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And see yourself in the Lamb of God who had all His rights taken away for our redemption. Amen, that we might be redeemed. Praise be to God. And we are redeemed. And so as a result, we can look to Him and say, as He did it, that's the way I want to do it. I don't want to live my life by what's legalism. Is it legal? I could say, you know, there's nothing in the Bible against smoking cigarettes. Hello? I think I lost everybody right there. There's nothing in the Scripture against smoking cigarettes. But we know that this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we know a prophet said, a prophet said that cigarettes is cancer by the carload. And it'll kill you. And even science has backed it up now, but a prophet said it before even science was willing to back it up. But here we are. We say, do we smoke cigarettes? I don't do that to my temple. The veil that Murphy talked about, the temple, we are not our own, but we are the purchased of God. I don't do that to my temple. I don't do a lot of things to my temple. I don't drink alcohol. 
The only alcohol that comes into this mouth is, is whatever is in the wine at communion time. That's all that there is that goes into this mouth. Because I don't, I don't think that any alcohol is acceptable. Even though the scripture says, you can take the scripture and you can say, you know, uh, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Or whatever Paul said to Timothy. My name's Timothy. I could really go to, go, to, go to town on that, couldn't I, Brother Nathan? But I reject it. I'm not interested in it. I'm interested in doing everything that I can do for my Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when John announced, Behold the Lamb and the two disciples that were following him, they didn't just say, That's our leader, Brother John. Man, he has a revelation of who the Lamb of God is. And we're going to follow John to the nth degree. No, they turned from John and they followed Jesus. Say, so we're, not, we're not here to follow John. We're following Jesus. We got our eyes on him. We'll lay down everything. And those same disciples to declare to Jesus, we've forsaken houses. And we've forsaken lands. And we've forsaken this. And we've forsaken that. All of these things we've done for you, for the kingdom of God. They've declared that. Now, I know that he said you'll receive back. That's not my point. But my point is that they willingly did it. What is it worth to have all those other things and not have eternal life? What is it? What does a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his own life? Oh, give me Jesus. Oh, give me Jesus. Oh, just let me behold the Lamb. When I'm in the depths of sorrow, I want to be able to behold the Lamb. When I need comforting, I want to be able to behold the Lamb. Oh, how the disciples must have felt good about it. Whenever they come in from, from the different campaigns or wherever they were as they went out two by two and they come back. Oh, just to see Jesus. Just to hear a few words from Jesus. Just to hear him say you did good. Just to hear him say rejoice not that devils are subject unto you, but rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Hallelujah. Wherever I've been, if I come home from work, let me behold the Lamb. Even if I'm at work and I'm going through a tough time, let me behold the Lamb. Whatever life throws at me, let me behold the Lamb. When I look at somebody else, my neighbor, let me behold the Lamb. When I look at my brother, let me behold the Lamb. Don't let me behold the veil, as Brother Murphy said. Don't let me see just the human characteristics that I might scratch my head and go, wow. That's a believer, huh? You know, I'm not so sure about that. No, no, let me look at those things. Let me behold the Lamb. Let me behold the grace of God. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God that takes away His sins. The Lamb of God that takes away her sins. The Lamb of God that takes away their offense. The Lamb of God that took to the, that said to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Neither do I condemn you. Oh Lord, take me there. Let me just see the Lamb. When I see human failing and frailty and people that fall and and make a mess of their lives, let me see the Lamb. Let me just see the Lamb. Hallelujah. The Lamb. Oh, I, I better skip some of this. I think we're probably there. We are there. The musicians can come. John, or Peter rather, you know, when he talked about the lamb, he said, the lamb 
without blemish. He says, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish, without spot. That's what I see in the lamb. He was perfect. There's nothing about him that nobody could lay a finger on his life. You want to lay a finger on somebody else's life? They're all there. They're, they're, Israel had hinder parts coming out of, out of Egypt. We all got hinder parts. Well, maybe that's news to you. Brother Tim has hinder parts. Brother Murphy, I think, clarified that on Sunday morning. I was sitting there. He says, any of you no good? Feeling, well, I forget what was the term. No good or something. I said, yeah, that's me. I was the only one. Where were the rest of you on Sunday morning? You all holier than thou's. Come on. We all need the Lamb of God. Because there's hinder parts in every one of us. Every one of us has things that, that we wouldn't want put on a billboard and declared out to the people. Oh, he spoke that way to his wife, did he? Or, or that's the way he talks in his home. Or, or that's what happened to him. Or please pull them over for that, did they? Oh, I got a few on that one, didn't I? <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God without spot, without wrinkle. You know, the, the eunuch was going down the road and, and Philip came up to him, up to the chariot and he was reading out of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearer. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the Philip answer, or the eunuch answered Philip said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of himself or of another. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You want to see the lamb? Let me preach Jesus. You want to understand who is this one? Let me tell you about Jesus. The grace the compassion, the healing that is in Jesus, the forgiveness that is there, all of these attributes that are written in the Scripture. You know, Isaiah, Isaac, as I close, Isaac went with his dad to be offered as a sacrifice, but he didn't know it. He went up to the mountain. He had the wood, carried the wood for his dad. They had the fire. And he gets up there to Mount Moriah. He says, Dad, I see here the wood. He says, I, I see here the fire. But where's the sacrifice? You know, we can come to church and see a lot of things. We can see the worship. We can see great preachers. There's great preachers in the message. I love to listen to them. You know, it's, we can see the sincerity and how that the, the church is and the sincerity of the people. But if we don't see the sacrifice, the lamb, it's incomplete. If you come to church here tonight and you didn't see Jesus, you've wasted your time. I hope you understand that. It's not Brother Tim or any other man that stands behind this desk. The, the preacher is only saying, behold the Lamb. I believe that there's a people 
who are seeing the Lamb come fully on display from what He is as to what He is. The revealing of the Lamb. To behold the Lamb in this hour means more than it has meant in any time. As God, I was going to go here tonight, but I, I don't have time, but I'll just say it. As God picked up the veil of the Lamb, where was the Lamb? In the Father's throne. He took that veil and put that on. God and Morphe. And he took the book. John saw the Lamb. But it was God in the Lamb. And he took that book, as Murphy described it, the blood was on the book. In Revelation 10, it was God. Brother Bram says, the Lamb was Christ. But then he says, Michael was Christ. The mighty angel, Revelation 10, coming down with the book open. That was Christ. The rainbow over his head. Because Christ in the angelic realm, or God behind the veil in the angelic realm, is Michael. To the angels, it's Michael. And so God put on the veil of a mighty angel and come down with the book open. What is it? The Lamb unfolding Himself. The mighty God being unveiled before us. Because He's got a purpose that we would take the book because He is the book. And we would eat the book. Brother Murphy preached on that. I don't need to go into that. But the point is that God is coming this hour through a message to reveal all that He is. If He didn't descend as an angel, John could never take the book. He had to come with the book. It was in vision, but he had to come with the book and tell John, take the book and eat the book. He had to come in the form he came. This is not mysterious, folks. He had to come in the form that he came in this hour so that you could take the message, the book, the revealing what was hidden in the earthen vessel is no longer hidden because the message has revealed it so that you could just take the message, God hidden in simplicity and eat the message and have a revelation of who we are. In the sight of God. Hallelujah. I am thine. Let's stand together. Draw me near. Jesus said in Matthew 11. says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Then he says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. What's happening? The Son is revealing the Father to every other son. To every other attribute. To every daughter. He says, I want to declare to you who I am. I want to show you it's not for the world. But it's for those that can truly see or behold the Lamb of God. Jesus said, I thank you, Father. You've hidden it from everybody else. You've hidden it from the wise and prudent. You've hidden it from the learned. You've hidden it from those who have tried to figure it out. 
But there are those to whom I will reveal it. To them, blessed are their eyes for they see. And blessed are their ears for they hear. I think as we stand in this late hour. And I was thinking today. I was very troubled in my spirit because of the events that are unfolding in the world. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I don't know which direction they're going to go. But just by what you see on public display, you can see the ability to enforce the mark of the beast coming into position. The control, the the the, the machinery, the ability, and the advancement of media and science and all those things doesn't trouble me. I just see it unfolding. How close are we? How close are we to the last one that's going to be saved? I want to, in these last days, Brother Branham says in the in 1957, he says, we're earthly people. He says, and only while we're living in this earthly vessel do we have a privilege to serve thee, he's praying, and to win others to thee. So we ask that you'll let our hearts be yielded to thy word. And may the Holy Spirit take the word and deliver it to us as we have need. Only while we're here at these last days, in these last moments of time, do we have the ability to serve God in a form that, that's not eternal. Someone said something just before I came out. I can't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, uh, talk about antibodies. That was the word, antibodies. And I thought, these are antibodies. We're going to the real one. These bodies are anti. They're anti-Christianity. They're anti-godliness. They're anti a lot of things. And these bodies are what give us trouble, but there's going to be a glorified body. There's going to be another body. In that body, there'll be no altar calls. In that body, there'll be no salvation. In that body, there'll be no one surrendering. So if you're here tonight and you need to surrender to God, you need to surrender. You need to come to Him now while He's speaking to our hearts in these late moments that we're living in. Don't let it pass you by. Don't let it go by and say, oh, well, that's a nice thought. And, you know, they speak highly of a message and all that. No, take it as your own. Say, Lord, I want to behold the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. The sin of the world and my sin. Let that be on my in my vision this evening as we sing this. Why don't you just commit yourself to Him as we sing this together. I am Thine, O Lord.
sing this with all sincerity I'm yours Lord I've heard your voice and it told your love to me and I long to rise in the arms of faith see it's not that we heard it once and we're satisfied no we want to be drawn closer to him closer can you sing that from the depths of your heart tonight I'm yours Lord Lord, I want you to understand that. I want you to, I want you to hear my prayer, oh God. I'm yours. I may not, I might feel like sometimes I'm the weakest Christian. But Lord, I want you to know I'm yours. I want you to make me what you want me to be. I want to surrender my will to you tonight. I want to give my all to you. Lord, I want you to wash me in the water of the word that I heard. I want you to cleanse me from the things of the world. I want you to take away all of the onslaught of the devil that bombards my mind and makes me nervous. Just take it away, Lord. I just want to focus in that I'm yours, Lord. And be closer, closer drawn to you. Let's sing that together with all of our hearts. I
Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful that we could utter those words, Lord, that we're yours, oh God. We belong to you. Everything that I am is yours, oh Lord. Everything that I own is yours, oh God. Everything that, that I ever hope to be is in your hands, oh God. All my ambitions I lay at your feet. All my desires I put in your hands, oh God. I just want to see the Lamb. I want to see the Lamb holding my inheritance. I want to see the Lamb revealing who I am. I want to see the Lamb quickening every scripture, Lord. I want to see the Lamb in every scripture, Father. I want you to make yourself known in the volume of the book, oh God. For that is how you come. And Lord, may you take this word, this precious word, this revealed word. And Lord, may you make it real to every son and daughter of God. For that reason you have come. There are, there is a people in the last days who they are, they know their God. They know their calling. They know their message. It's real to them, Lord. And they just are able to stand and say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm yours. Everything that I am is yours, oh God. Just lead us, Lord. Just direct us. Just have perfect preeminence in every part of our lives. We love you, Father. Oh, we praise your name. We thank you for the Lamb that takes away all the sin of the world. We thank you for the blood. We thank you, Lord, for the Word which was made flesh and bled for us. It's covered in blood, O oh God. It's, it is that word that we partake of, the life of it, O oh God. We don't have the literal blood, but we have the life of it, that it might quicken us day by day. Draw us nearer, Lord, we pray. We commit ourselves into your hands. Bless your people, O oh God. The little chopped up message tonight, Lord, make it real to them, Lord. Oh, Father, I commit everyone into your hands. We commit ourselves to you. We live in an evil age, Father. We see government control clamping down on people's lives. But, Father, we ask for liberty. Not to use it as an occasion of the flesh. But we ask for it, Lord, that we might serve you. That we might worship together and hear your word and feed on your word and bring the licks of fire together, Lord, into this place that's been set aside for worship. We ask, oh God, that if the governments are thinking of shutting down religious worship, we pray, Lord, you'll turn their hearts. Pray, Lord, you'll take a hold of magistrates. You'll take a hold of of men that they may not be godly men, but Lord, you're the one that controls governments. Satan controls them here, but Lord, you have the ultimate say. And we ask, Lord, that you'll just allow us, if it be your will, to continue to gather and continue to worship you. We give ourselves to you and ask your blessing now upon each one as we go our way. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 I wonder if we uh, could sing that song, I'm Amazed That You Love Me. Uh, just a chorus. We, I don't like to prolong the Wednesday night service. I know many of you have worked today, and we thank God for jobs. We thank God we have employment. And 
All of that's about, I don't want to wear you out, but let's just sing, I'm amazed. Aren't you amazed with his love? I'm amazed that he loves me. I'm amazed that he loves me. Oh, I'm Greet one another with a wave or a hello or God bless you. Nice to see each and every one. God bless you abundantly. We love you and pray for you often. The service is dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.